Well, happy Memorial Day. Thank you for your service. Uh, if you're in the military, we uh, appreciate your, your sacrificial service, especially. Uh, speaking of service, we have nearly 150 of you already signed up for Community Service Sunday. That's a big deal. So thank you. Speaking of service still, uh, we need more of you to sign up for Summer Serve. Uh, maybe 10 are signed up. Listen, uh, there are maybe 50 to 75 people who give so much time and energy for nine months out of the year to serving our kids. And so uh, on Community Service Sunday, you give four hours. Can you give one, two, maybe three hours uh, throughout these summer weeks? Uh, again, about 10 weeks, and then just sign up to do one or two of those weeks, work with our kids, and you might really enjoy it. You might hate it, but you might enjoy it. And so uh, let's give the people who give the most time and energy to our kids a break so they can sit in our service and do what we're doing right now and just breathe, okay? And so let's give them some relief. And then finally, again, speaking of service, uh, today we say goodbye to Pastor Derek Malone, who's been uh, serving us so well for the last few years. Yeah. He is uh, with his wife, Amy, and uh, son, Jackson, and daughter, Renee, going the way of all dinosaurs, uh, going down south as he retires. And so uh, give him a big hug. You know Derek loves hugs, so give him a hug when you see him. Yeah, he'll appreciate that. I need your help with some uh, cultural proverbs, okay? Help me finish these. Nice guys, finish. Don't get mad, get... Get what? Uh, only the strong. Now compare those proverbs from culture to this command from good old Apostle Paul. He writes to the Philippian church, chapter 4, verse 5. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Gentleness. Come on, Paul. I mean, we don't go to a movie to see the good guy treat the bad guy with gentleness, do we? To walk away from a fight with a bully. No, we go to a, a movie like that to see the good guy get revenge on the bad guy, to retaliate, don't get mad, get even. We cheer when Clint Eastwood's character, Dirty Harry, points the gun at the bad guy and says, go ahead, make my day. Or... Uh, do you feel lucky? Well, do you punk? And we cheer, yeah! <laughs> Gentleness. <laughs> I gotta be honest, I didn't wanna preach this sermon mostly because gentleness does not come easy for me. It's not, it's not naturally in my DNA. I grew up in a, in a hardworking, blue-collar Italian family uh, from the fighting city of Philadelphia. <laughs> I mean, I grew up watching Rocky and The Godfather, revenge movies from when I was eight years old. I was taught at a very early age, uh, never look away from a stare down. If someone looks at your girl for more than three seconds, you confront them. If you're walking down a crowded city street and people are coming the other way, you do not budge. You keep your path and get braced for a shoulder bump. If you hold the door open for a guy and he walks by without saying thank you, then you say something like, you're welcome, jerk. And if someone does something stupid 
on the highway, you make sure you catch up to them and you give them the gesture. <laughs> For Christians, it's the, what were you thinking, you imbecile gesture. Don't get mad, get even. Never, ever back down from a fight. And if you're in a fight, make sure you get the first punch in. Now, I'm thankful for my heritage. There's a lot of good that has come from my Italian heritage, Philadelphia, but uh, I'll just say this. We do not highly value gentleness in my family. I mean, we could say, uh, I can't stand you, get out of my face, and I love you in the same sentence. So gentleness is not a value. It's not a virtue. It's actually a vice where I come from. It's a weakness, not a strength. And then I became a Christian, and all of my harshness, my lack of gentleness went away overnight. <laughs> not at all. No, I've just sanctified my harsh lack of gentleness. All right. So now I just, I'm tempted when I'm in a debate and I love a good, robust disagreement, an argument. Um, and so now I might, I might be tempted to use my Bible, my theological experience, my knowledge to beat people up, to not be gentle but harsh. Or I might be tempted to put somebody on the prayer chain who's hurt me to get even, you know, behind their back. So Pastor Noel, let's say, uh, keeps talking about how long my sermons are. And so to get even with him, I put him on the prayer chain and say, pray for Pastor Noel. He's acting like a real jerk at home, uh, hip hypocritical, all that. He smiles a lot, but that's not really who he is, that kind of thing. Our culture is, it seems to me, always looking for a fight. You can't say anything today <laughs> without someone challenging it. And not a gentle challenge, but a harsh one. I mean, if someone says something that we disagree with, even if it's not attacking us, we can become harsh real fast. Everyone seems to be looking for a fight these days. And here's what's most concerning to me. This Will Smith slapping, Donald Trump tweeting, Bill Maher ranting culture has seeped into the pores of the church. Yeah, we can say that the culture, cultural norm is meanness, harshness, a lack of civility, but I gotta be honest. In my experience, what happens in culture often seeps into the pores of the church, often without detection, and I think, not in this church necessarily, because I'm still too new to know, but a lot of churches, we have taken our cues from culture not Christ. So he doesn't invite you to a small group. What do you do? You put them down on Facebook. The preacher says something in her sermon that rubs you the wrong way, and instead of gently confronting her or talking to her about it, you text 10 friends to diminish her leadership. It feels like culture, and sometimes even the church, is a time bomb waiting to happen. And we don't need any more bomb detonators. We've got plenty of those. What we need 
is for the church to be bomb dismantlers. The church of Jesus Christ, I'm suggesting, is a bomb squad, or at least we should be. And you know one of the main tools of the bomb squad is the wire cutter. Cut the right wire, but the wire cutter is the main tool if you're in the bomb squad. And what I want to suggest to you is that in the church of Jesus Christ, the main tool for the bomb squad, that is the church, is the wire cutter of gentleness. By the way, this is not a bomb. This is an invisible fence for dogs. <laughs> the main tool for the church, the bomb squad, to walk into harsh situations, time bomb situations, is the wire cutter of gentleness. Of gentleness. Paul talks about this in Philippians. He's talking about, uh, in Philippians chapter 4, let your gentleness be evident to all. Let me just give you uh, some of the context. Let me just read the passage for you. Chapter 4, verses 1 to 5. Here's what he writes to the church at Philippi. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Yodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Here it is. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Now, Paul is writing this letter to the Philippian church while he is stuck in a Roman prison cell. If anybody had a reason to get even, to get mad even, to be harsh, it was Paul. The Roman authorities put him in prison for nothing more than preaching about the love of God in Christ. But there's no bitterness in Paul. There's no get even with Rome. There's no retaliation. There's no go ahead and make my day. It's let your gentleness be evident to all. Now apparently there were two women in the church, leaders, Yodia and Syntyche, who had some conflict with each other. Scholars believe that they were teachers actually in the church of Philippi and, and apparently they had some kind of disagreement. Uh, maybe it was theological, maybe they were jealous of each other, maybe some of them uh, wanted more followers, more disciples, I don't know. But there was a public conflict with these two women, and so Paul addresses it in a public way. Basically, he says to them, get over it. <laughs> let your gentleness, not your rightness, let your gentleness be evident to all. It's like Paul is saying, more important than your rightness in the church is your witness to the world. And when you're arguing for your way, for justice, for your rightness, you diminish your witness to the outside world and the Lord is near. And the thing that's going to win over people out there is not your rightness and certainly not your harshness, but your gentleness. 
That's not the only place that Paul talks about gentleness. He actually lists gentleness in the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, verses 22 to 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Now, I got to tell you, I have heard and preached plenty of sermons on eight of those fruits. <laughs> and I have not preached once and I've not heard a sermon once on the fruit of gentleness. And yet, Paul is real clear over here in saying that one of the evidences that the Holy Spirit of God is in your life is not your rightness, not your theological intellect, but your gentleness. The more intertwined our lives come into contact with Jesus Christ, the more gentle we will be. He writes, uh, Paul does these words to Timothy, a young pastor, about how to treat outsiders who oppose you. Listen to this. Imagine this in our culture. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Uh, next slide. Oh, sorry. Let your gentleness be evident. Okay, not harsh, not resentful. And then Peter does the same thing. Uh, Peter says this, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with, say it with me, gentleness and respect. So both Paul and Peter tell the church that if you want to represent Christ well to those outside of the church who oppose you, who persecute you, treat them with gentleness. And then we get to Jesus. Now, Jesus had moments where he was brutally honest and maybe a little bit hard. But the truth is, he was gentle. In fact, he said, I am gentle. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is gentle. Jesus recognizes Proverbs. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh response stirs up anger. If you want to detonate the bomb, be harsh. If you want to dismantle the bomb, be gentle. Gentleness, by the way, is not weakness. It's actually power restrained by love. It's having the ability to crush someone with your words or hands or both and walking away or offering a, offering a gentle response. It's being right but relinquishing your right to be right. A good picture of gentleness is this. You're wrestling with your seven-year-old kid and you could destroy them, but you let them win. That's gentleness. Gentleness is David being in the cave with King Saul who is trying to kill him and all David has to do is stab him while he's relieving himself. But David offers the gentler response and leaves vengeance in the hands of God. 
I want to um, I want to just give you two pictures of uh, this difference of response between bomb detonating harshness and bomb dismantling gentleness. And I want to take it from youth ministry. How many of you have worked with kids in the church, youth, youth ministry? How many of you teach in middle school or high school and have lived to tell about it? Okay, a few of you. Yeah, so uh, here's just two experiences from my time with youth that illustrate both responses. His name uh, was Mike, 15 years old, and he was annoying. Most 15-year-old kids are. Just kidding. I have a 15-year-old, I can say it. Uh, Mike uh, came to youth group, and his goal in youth group was just to annoy the snot out of the youth pastor, to just distract, and, and just, he really was a tough kid. Well, my youth pastor was traveling. I was 19 at the time still in youth group. I just never could seem to graduate. I was about a year into my faith. And the youth pastor said, hey, Lem, would you, would you teach the youth lesson this week while I'm gone? That was a big mistake. It, it was bad. Here's what happened. While I was uh, preaching, doing my best to connect God with these kids, about 20 kids, the whole time, Mike was just chatting away he would raise his hands, and I would say, Mike, what is it? I have to go to the bathroom. And then I, he'd raise his hand again, Mike, what is it? I have to go to the bathroom. Just trying to distract. I just wanted to slap him. I'm just being honest. I was rough around the edges. So uh, don't get mad. Get even. Mike was embarrassing me. I was going to embarrass him. So while I'm teaching, I just, I just paused the lesson, and I said to the kids, how many of you right now think Mike is being a distraction? Raise your hand. Three hands went up. I said, no, no, raise your hands. <laughs> More hands went up. No, raise your hands. Every hand went up. And I saw uh, Mike's jaw drop. He was humiliated. And inside, I was moonwalking and cabbage patching. I was loving this moment. I didn't get mad, I got even. Well, Mike stormed out of uh, the youth building, and because I was responsible, I had to go catch up with him and get him back in. So I went over to Mike, we were on a, like the porch. I said, Mike, you can't leave. And he got right up in my face, like this far away. 15 years old, I was 19, he said, he said Lenny Lucchetti, I ought to bleepity bleep you right in the face. And I was thinking with Dirty Harry, go ahead, make my day. Because if he hit me, I was hitting him back. At that point, I was. He didn't. He left. And I never saw him come back to youth group. And a few years later, he got addicted. And then he got into trouble. And then he got arrested. And I don't know that Mike ever came back to church or ever came to Christ. There were so many other possible responses to Mike that would have been way more gentle than the one I chose. Take him out to lunch, 
shoot hoops, play video games. I knew Mike, Mike's parents had gone through a divorce and he was still extremely disappointed and in pain and didn't know how to process it. How does a 15-year-old know how to process that stuff? And instead of being gentle, I was harsh. And I don't know if Mike ever came back. And I wonder how many people have left the church and maybe left Christ because someone in the church responded to them with harshness instead of gentleness. Well, fast forward five years. I'm 24. Uh, they just hired me as youth pastor at a large church because enough time had elapsed to cause me to forget how terrible I was at youth ministry. So I thought I could do the job. They hired me. And there was in that other youth group a Mike. There's a Mike in every youth group, except his name was John. Uh, John was disinterested. He was angry all the time, annoying. He was the, he was the kid who was listening to his headphones. We had head, cassette, you know, headphones back then, the Walkman. Um, so I knew he liked music. He annoyed me, didn't like him. But I was, I was five years into my Christian walk and into my ministry. I was a little more mature, just a little bit. And so I wanted to bond with John over music because he loved music. He listened to like Rage Against the Machine and Marilyn Manson, if you can remember those bands from the 90s, yeah. Uh, so one day I decided I would give John my favorite mix cassette, the one I worked out with, you know, with all my Christian favorites from like uh, Supertones and MXPX and Switchfoot and Skillet, and you have no idea who I'm talking about. Anyway, it was good workout music. So I gave it to John, and I said, John, uh, here's some music. Check it out. Let me know what you think. Keep it as long as you want. You can dub it if you want. Make your own tape. And then give it back to me when you're done with it. Well, maybe a week later, John gives me back the cassette. And I said, dude, you can keep it, you can keep it longer if you want, dude. I said dude a lot back then. Uh, he said, nah, I had enough. <laughs> I said, all right. Well, I hope you liked it. Two days later, I'm working out. Got my favorite mix cassette in there, the one I loaned to John. And as I'm working out uh, to my Christian alternative rock music, I hear lyrics from Rage Against the Machine and the worst ones coming onto my tape. I said, nah, I'm, I'm hearing things. Next song, again, Rage Against the Machine, expletives. Another song, same thing. Another song, same thing. John had dubbed his Rage Against the Machine lyrics onto my favorite mix cassette. Did I want to kill him? Yeah. But again, I'm more mature. So on, on this occasion, on this occasion, I prayed. I prayed, I prayed, I prayed, asking God for the grace to gently respond to John. And then it happened. <laughs> I saw John in a crowd of kids, it was a youth group, and I made a beeline for him. And he kind of flinched like I was going to hit him or something. And he just, I just said, I said, John. He said, yeah. I said, I got the mixtape, and I listened to it. He smiled ear to ear with a sinister smile. But somehow I was able to respond with gentleness when I thought 
maybe of slapping him or at least shunning him. I said, I just want you to know, I just want you to know, John, I will love you no matter what. Nothing you do will change that. And I hugged him. And he looked shocked. I mean, he said, he said, that's the strangest response I've ever seen. If someone did that to me, I would have punched him right in the face. And I thought to myself, that thought did cross my mind. <laughs> but what John needed from me was not dirty, hairy harshness, but gentle Jesus grace. And after that occasion, John and I got closer. He seemed less disinterested. I wouldn't say he was like having a blast at youth group, but he was engaged. He and I went to lunch. We became buddies. We bonded over music. And to think, I almost responded with harshness that would have driven him away. So what's it going to be, church? Are we going to be known for our harsh rightness or for our gentleness? Paul does not write, let your intellect be evident to all, let your Bible knowledge be evident to all, let your rightness be evident to all, your ability to argue be evident to all, let your gentleness be evident to all. And if it is, who knows what kind of impact the Bomb Squad Church of Jesus Christ might have in here and outside of here in this bomb-detonating culture. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, would you, by the power of your Spirit, cultivate in us the fruit of the Spirit, one of them being gentleness. God, I confess my harsh lack of gentleness, my desire to not get mad but get even. God, would you root that out of each one of us so that at the end of the day, for each one of us who follow you, more than anything else, our gentleness would be evident to all. In the name of Christ, the giant gentle one, we pray. Amen.